Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Week Tua taught us that apparently the most dangerous place to be in the NFL, the most dangerous place to be in the NFL is up double digits in the fourth quarter. Or at least that was the takeaway for the Ravens, the Browns, and the Raiders, who all snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, almost like they forgot that the point is actually to finish and win. The Ravens led Miami 35-14 at the start of the fourth quarter yesterday. Then at some point, the Dolphins said, F it. No, literally. That's not me. They literally said, F it. And we know exactly when it happened, too. When they called the, quote, F it play. Third and 10. All right, so I'm not making that up. I'm not making any of that up. Mike McDaniel, a.k.a. Coach Wheelbarrow, told Peter King after the game, quote, we installed that play with the expletives that the quarterbacks knew as the effort play. Tua loved the play. If we really needed to make something happen, that was the play that we'd call, end of quote. As if McDaniel could not be any more of a legend than he already was in that very moment. On the very next possession, they again dialed up Effit. It was too. Tie game, 5-19 to go in the fourth quarter. So the Dolphins didn't just erase a three-touchdown fourth-quarter deficit. They did it with over five minutes to spare, which was just enough time for Tua to once again say F it and go for the win. Waddle in motion. Tua, shotgun, back to throw. Looking, looking, looking. Steps up, fires, touchdown! Again! It's Waddle! Touchdown! Oh, my gosh. Tua looked around and came back to Waddle. What a throw and catch. With 14 seconds left. His sixth touchdown pass of the day. What? It is so true. Sixth touchdown of the game. And that was an amazing throw and catch. What? That was the... What? He what? What? My silly Waddle? What? See what I did there? A silly Waddle? His what? Damn, Waddle went up and got that. That was Tua's breakout performance that everybody had been waiting on for years. That's the player Stephen Ross tried to pay Brian Flores to lose for. That's the Tua worth tanking for. Tua's breakout was incredible. And Cheetah's postgame message to the Tua haters via ESPN was almost as good. You ain't got to ask me no question on that. For all the haters out there, man, who said Tua can't do this, can't be that, you know, I really hope you soon jump on jump on his bandwagon, man, because not only is Coach McDaniels going to need a wheelbarrow, he also going to need a tool, going to need a wheelbarrow after the season. The tote his money, his boatload of money, and also his cocojones. This guy's too much, man. And by the way, say what you will about Tyreek, he's not giving himself nearly enough credit. Like, if Tua's going to need a wheelbarrow for all that money he's going to make or a wheelbarrow for his, quote, cojones... Tyreek is actually the biggest reason why. Now, normally I would be extremely uncomfortable with all this cojones talk on the program. Como se dice gonad? Cojones? But when you show the kind of brass set that the Dolphins have in the first two weeks, it really does buy you the right to say whatever the hell you want. Even if it means we have to keep hearing Tyreek Hill talk about wheel barrowing around cojones. But then again, Tyreek can say whatever the hell he wants because he's changed the entire dynamic of that offense. And by the way, that's why they gave up what they gave up to get Hill in draft capital. That's why they're paying what they're paying Hill right now because of all that. Because in a league of super freaks and outliers, there's still nobody like Tyreek Hill. I'm not saying the Chiefs can't get it done without him, because they are so far, but I'm saying what this guy has done in Miami is nothing short of a miracle. Like, credit to Tua, 
He had to make those throws. Credit to Mike McDaniel because, well, he might be my favorite human being right now, and I've never even spoken to the dude. But know this. None of this is happening without Tyreek Hill. He's making everybody, his quarterback, Waddle, everybody so much better. And bringing this guy in, say what you will about him, bringing this guy in was a brilliant move by the Dolphins. Brilliant. But as incredible as Tua's week two, check that, as incredible as Tua's week Tua breakout performance was, and as absurd as that 21-point fourth quarter comeback is, it may not have been the only absurd thing. Well, I mean, it absolutely was not the only absurd thing that we saw yesterday because holy bleep, Kyler Murray. Look, I understand this has not been the greatest few months for the Cardinals or for Kyler. In fact, it was a pretty horrible first half yesterday for the Cardinals and Kyler. One of my dudes was blowing me up the entire first half, saying, Yo, Rome, yo, Rome, your dude Cliff is not even going to make it to the locker room before this thing is over. He's going to get bleep canned before he can make it off the field. So I immediately put this dude on do not disturb. But deep down I was thinking... As annoying as my boy is, no, it was not the big head. Believe me, the big head was gripping about everything else on his own. I've got other people who annoy me besides him. As annoying as my boy was, deep down I was thinking, he may not be wrong. But then Kyler started doing Kyler bleep. He had to because the cards had played like bleep the entire game. Falling behind 20-0 in the half or at halftime, and then 23-7 to start the fourth quarter. And just when everybody was looking to throw dirt on Kyler and Cliff and their entire season, dude goes off. The guy that everybody piled on during the offseason for gaming so much brought his video game moves to Vegas, including the best two-point conversion in the history of the league. Snap to Kyler, looking right. Now back to the middle, now runs to the right, being chased, backing up at the 20. Looking, still dancing around, pointing, still holding the ball like it's street ball in the backyard. He's still got it, runs right to the 10. Cuts left to the 5, and he's going to score! Oh, my goodness! Kyler Murray on a play that took about a minute. Oh, my god! Somehow gets in the end zone for two points. Boy! Uh, of all the things, Kyler the Murray. I don't think I've ever seen a two-point play. As that was insane. As that. I have never seen that before in my life. That is unbelievable. Is that, is that a- Andrew Gruz? I have never, ever seen that before in my life either. That play lasted over 20 seconds. It felt like 20 minutes, and he ran a distance of over 85 yards for a two-point conversion. I mean, I feel like there were other teams who blew multiple leads in the time that it took Kyler to scramble around and get in on that play. And the dude just kept doing it. This time, fourth and goal, down eight, clock spinning. Five seconds to go, ball at the three. Cardinals down eight points. This is it right here. Snap to Murray, drops back to throw. Looking, steps up. Takes off, heading to the near sideline, gets into the end zone, sticks the ball out for the touchdown with no time left. And the Cardinals get six points. They'll run a two-point play to try to send this game to overtime. Cards Radio. Again, this dude is a video game. And he didn't just do it with his legs. He also threaded the needle into the back of the end zone to convert the game-tying two-point conversion with triple zeros on the clock before they then finished the job in OT. Second and 10 for the Raiders of the Cardinal 39. Quick throw left side, Renfro with a catch. And he breaks one tackle. Then the ball comes out. It's loose, and it's picked up by the Cardinals in midfield. It's picked up by Byron Murphy at the 40, at the 30, at the 20, at the 10. Ball game! Byron Murphy picks up the ball at midfield, returns it for a touchdown, and the Cardinals win. Go Flags! What an unbelievable finish here in Vegas. I have to say, an incredible victory for the Cards. A horrible loss for the Raiders. And I'm not jumping off the Josh McDaniels bandwagon. A lot of people are coming for him already. He did not have a great day. Renfro did not have a great day. He did not have a great OT, 
that was a really, really bad loss for the Raiders and a great win for the Cards, but I'm not giving up on my guy Josh McDaniels yet. But I want to say, that was a really bad loss for the Raiders. So I've got a question for you guys. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Well, Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. I said 48 hours. Generally, if something seems too good to be true, it is, but not in this case. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and it's easy to use, especially when you're on the move. Also, Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it does protect it. You want that. You need that. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel all day. Now, as improbable and absurd as Arizona and Miami's dubs were, that might not, those may not have been the most absurd comebacks of the day because not only did somebody come back from a 13-point deficit in the last two minutes, that somebody was the New York freaking Jets. You know, J-E-T-S, ass, ass, ass. Like, this kind of thing is not supposed to happen for any team, but especially the J-E-T-S. So you can bet your ass Bob Sala will be keeping all the receipts after the game this week. He's going to frame them up in a collage and hang them in his office because I don't know that it's ever going to get better than this. Taking receipts. Yeah, I'm sure. Meanwhile, the team gagging and choking and dying on the other side of the field was, of course, the Browns. Because only the Browns could outsuck the Jets. And only the Browns could start a total and utter humiliating collapse by scoring a touchdown. It's true. Like, if Nick Chubb goes down, and you can see like he kind of thought about it too, right? Before he crossed the goal line. But if he goes down instead of running it in with 155 to play then probably the Browns just win. I mean, the Jets were out of timeouts. The game was over. Now, that's not to say this is on Chubb, a.k.a. the guy who scored three touchdowns yesterday and put them in position to win. And win easily. So whatever you do, don't blame him. It's not him. It's absolutely not his fault. Blame the dudes who could not figure out how to recover an onside kick. Blame the dudes who let old Joe Flacco look like the second coming of a young Joe Montana. I will. I'm going to. Of all the QBs to channel the energy of Joe Cool yesterday, Joe Flacco had to be the most unlikely candidate of all. And yet here is that old dude just sticking the dagger in. Third down and 10. 25 seconds to go. The Jets down by six. Flacco looks up the seam. Fires. Caught. Touchdown. Garrett Wilson scores. The Jets are a point after away from taking the lead with 22 seconds to go. A miracle here in Cleveland. I can't believe it. Jets radio. Now, you might attribute that to a hometown call, them calling it a miracle, but it was. It actually was a miracle. In terms of statistical probability, that was miraculous. Like, say what you want about win probability. And I'll probably agree with you. However, Cleveland's win probability at the 155 mark of that game was actually 99.9%. 99.9%. They basically lost a game that was essentially impossible to lose. And they lost it to the J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. I mean, Browns fan. How are you living right now? And no, that's not on Nick Chubb. I can't even blame it on Brownie the Elf, even though I'd badly like to. I mean, seriously, Cleveland, what the hell is with that elf? I meant to get to it last week. The hell is with that elf. The Browns are the only franchise that can humiliate themselves both with their play and their midfield logo. Because nobody humiliates themselves like the dumpster fire formerly known as America's team. 
I mean, did that really happen? I watched it. Again, a 99.9% win probability. And they lost. And they lost to the Jets. Only the Browns. Like, week Tua might have reminded us that absolutely no lead is safe in the NFL anymore. But the Browns did not need that reminder. They have never had a safe lead in the history of their franchise. They have always lost games in every imaginable way. But this one right there is up there with some of the worst ever. This is why I'm off your bandwagon. This is why I ripped that gloss that I bestowed upon you as America's team. That's why. Oh, and that whole little Deshaun Watson deal, too. That, too. That was a bat bleep crazy NFL weekend. And we've got a lot more action to recap. And we have two more games tonight. A doubleheader this evening. Straight up. Nothing makes me happier than that sound. That is Shopify's new sales sound. It is incredible. The sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. I mean, how many reasons are there to love Shopify? How about this? Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business only. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. You know this if you own a business. Scaling that business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I feel like I own a small business, this podcast. I know where we started. I know where we are right now. And I know where I still want to go. Success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. And nobody understands that better than Shopify. I love, for instance, how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. And like mine, Shopify powers over millions of businesses from first sale to full scale. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. What you want to do is go to shopify.com slash roam, all lowercase r-o-m-e, for a free 14-day trial to get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E, all lowercase, and do it right now. Shopify.com slash Rome. Jordan Schultz is my guest. Jordan, what's going on? How are you? Mr. Rome, doing great. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So listen, dude, wild, wild Sunday. How did that go for you overall? (laughs) It was great. It was great. Uh, I think the Lamar Jackson game against Miami was the craziest and that's with respect to Cleveland and New York and also every other game including basically some of the craziest finishes I've ever seen um you go back to Thursday with the Chargers and Chiefs so I I think look the biggest storyline with Lamar is that he has played now two great games and he is I think every game he plays his value goes up because he's going to be an MVP candidate he's he, he looks he looks as accurate as I've ever seen him he has a legit number one wide receiver in Rashad Bateman and then on the other side, everyone's talking about Mike McDaniel, the honeymoon's over. And before, before you could blink, Miami comes all the way back. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell have 190 and 170. They both score twice, and Miami wins. So that game, to me, for a variety of reasons, was, was crazy. Jordan Schultz joining us. In fact, you jumped right into what I was going to ask you. Taking nothing away from those teams that pulled off those amazing comebacks, who choked worse, the Ravens, the Browns, or the Raiders? Ra- the Raiders, yeah. Um, I, I would say, I would say the Dolphins are sorry. I would, I would say probably, and that's so tough. I would say the Ravens just because they had the game completely over. I mean, I turned it off. Um, they were a heavy favorite, four point favorite in the game and to absolutely blow that lead. They basically, if you go back and you rewatch it, the fourth quarter comes down to two or three big plays that their secondary allowed. And, you know, Marcus Williams is gone, and they've, they've had a lot of injuries, but just completely inexcusable. They're up 35-14 to 14, um, going into the fourth quarter, and Miami looks completely gassed. I mean, they, they, they had nothing going on. And to allow Tua Tungavailoa 450 yards and breaking or tying Dan Marino's franchise record with six touchdown passes, Jim, is just asinine. I mean, you, you cannot do that. It's just crazy. 
It was bat bleep crazy. Jordan Schultz joining us, and that's exactly what happened. Listen, I mentioned yesterday on Twitter how hilarious I thought, Jordan, it was that the Bronco fans were counting down the play clock for the Broncos. That's how horrible they've been in getting to the line and clock management. So what do you make of the job that Nathaniel Hackett has done in his first two games as an NFL head coach? Absolutely awful. I thought it could not get any worse. Jim, Jim, answer me this. In all your years doing this, have you ever seen a more inept game plan than they had against Seattle when they had multiple delay of games? And I understand they have the 12s there. But to go back into week two and to say, basically, we are going to do the exact same thing, intermediate throws, short throws. Russell at one point had almost 10 straight incompletions. They had one play. This really summed it up for me in terms of his ineptitude and not being ready. They had one play where they ran the option with Andrew Beck, their tight end. Devontae Williams was averaging seven yards per carry. Then they get a delay of game. And then Nathaniel Hackett ultimately has to punt because it's now five yards back at 59, and he didn't want McManus to to attempt basically a 59-yarder. That was as bad as a coaching job as I've seen, and he's now done it two games in a row. Jordan, I was going to say, and they wouldn't let him attempt it at altitude, but they let him try a longer kick the week before. I mean, that was one of the worst sequences ever ever and yet they win the game and we're talking about what a bad place this guy is all right so let me ask you this nothing surrounding tom brady in recent weeks has been typical but the bucks did hold on they beat the saints they're two and oh i try to avoid all the tabloid stuff but there are football implications what do you make of the report that he's not going to take every wednesday off from practice for the rest of the season as quote personal time yeah by the way just to just to close the point you know he had to burn another timeout, Hackett did, because he didn't have a pump return around yes. the field. Yes, yes. That's a whole nother. I, I think that he, dude, I think he thinks that the timeouts that he didn't use carry over. He keeps them. Somebody should he tell him that, too. Yeah. They don't. They don't. Exactly. Um, I, I, I'm not, I don't have any problem, Jim, with, with Brady getting his personal days and basically allowing, to, allowing him to, to have the time he needs. The issue for me is less of accountability and more just the, the explosive plays or lack thereof. For, for Tampa. I mean, obviously Godwin's hurt. Evans gets ejected. Uh, they brought in Russell Gage. He hasn't been 100% healthy. So they've had injury problems. Um, ironically, it's been their defense, really, that's been terrific. But when I look at Tom Brady, especially in these first two games, um, you go back to the Dallas game where he looked really uncomfortable. They never got a rhythm. Um, they were basically Michael Parsons ruined their game plan. And We've now seen two games in a row, and it's still a small sample size, Jim, but we've seen two games in a row, um, both on the road, but where he has been really bad. Um, and so, to me, there, there are some concerns there, and um, I, I would always want to give Tom Brady the benefit of the doubt. But when you start to say, okay, he's going to have a day off during the week, um, you wonder if that could slide into something worse and, and they'll have more problems. Jordan Schultz is joining us. You know, you mentioned Micah Parsons. Jordan, my thought going in, and I took the Bengals in that game. And this isn't it funny how this goes, and you can relate to this. Ever feel like the one game that you know you're going to win when you, you bet is the one you lose? Yeah, well, that was of that course. one. I knew Micah Parsons was going to create problems. And I knew a lot of problems, but it was nothing that I thought that the Bengals could not overcome. And so I realized their offensive line might be worse this year than it was last year. They're 0-2. I know it's a long season, but are they already, the Bengals, are they already in trouble? They're in trouble, not because necessarily they're 0-2, but because the lack of time for Joe Burrow. I mean, they spent $70 million to revamp this offensive line. Um, on first and second down, they have the single worst offense in terms of running the ball in football. And that doesn't make sense, right, because you have a really good running back in Joe Mixon. Um, but the offensive line has been horrendous. Not only pass blocking, rush blocking. They, they, if you go back to the Super Bowl, Jim, basically they, they're, they're a, a half a quarter away from winning the Super Bowl. And, they, and the reason they didn't get it done was because Joe Burrow wasn't protected. So now you fast forward to this season and all that money that was spent, and you think without a question, especially bringing in you know, Alex Kapp and Lyle Collins, that they're going to have plenty of time to throw the ball, and he just hasn't had it. So, you know, he made some bad decisions in that Steelers game week one, which they lost. I thought last night, if you go back and, and rewatch it, he, he looked – completely unsettled in the pocket. And that's my biggest concern for them. Yeah, and how about Colin saying at the jump? You're you my, got, I'm your bodyguard. I'm yeah. your bodyguard. I'm your bodyguard. you got nothing to worry about. Oh, great. Hey, listen, Jordan, before you go, I just had a thought and kind of a sidebar thing. Did you or did you not 
play part of your college career or spend part of your college career playing basketball at Occidental. Is that true? I did. I did. Here's why I ask you. Because, well, yes. yeah. because I've got the only person that cares. Yeah. I, I'll tell you why. I've got a son. We have a son who's a senior in high school and he's a pitcher and I literally have been trying to push him to go there if there's reciprocal wow. interest and I want to know from you what the uh, experience was like oh. for you to go to school Love there it. and play ball there. I'm, I'm honored. First of all, the baseball program is very good. Um, beautiful little stadium right on the cliff, and I had a great experience there. I loved it. Um, you know, it's a small school, you know, 3,000, 3,200 kids, but as a whole, you cannot have a better experience in terms of the, you know, professor to uh, student ratio classes are under 20. The, 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 the sports, despite being Division three, is very competitive, and it's just a great school, man. I Especially coming from Seattle and not realizing, like, what Southern California was, it, I was in heaven. I loved it. I love hearing that. That's a great response. And don't think that I won't be playing that back to my kid tonight when I get home. <laughs> Please Enjoy. do it. I'm happy, I'm happy to talk to him and chop it up anytime. Oh, yeah, that, that's the next call I'm going to make. Hey, really quickly, who do you got tonight? How are you playing those two games? I'm surprised that the Titans were a 10-point underdog. Um, I know they, they have not they didn't look good in week one, but 10 points feels a little much, like a Tennessee. And then I got Philadelphia at home minus the two and a half. Um, and Jalen Hurts is playing great football. They're running the ball. Uh, Nick Sirianni feels like he finally found his identity and I cannot imagine that the Eagles defense with all those big names will be worse in week two than they were against Detroit so I got Philly and Tennessee and that roster is fire I like Philadelphia too Jordan Schultz NFL NBA insider for the score he also used to be at ESPN and Yahoo Sports make sure you find him on TikTok at real Jordan Schultz Jordan great to have you on have a great night and we'll do it again soon Thank you, Jim. You too, buddy. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? I always am. Listen, this time, don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores stores near you clones if you do not see it ask for it by name because no other jerky compares oh trapper what's your beef mike in cleveland it's good to have you mike how are you hey jim man long time no here it's good to hear your voice good to talk to you you too mike appreciate it what's up hey man you know miles garrett is way out of line he played a great game yesterday but don't say one word about the fans because you guys deserve to be booed. That defensive backfield sucks. They're overpaid. They're all high draft picks. And how do you let a guy get 20 freaking yards past you? Can you explain that to me, Jim? How does that happen? No, I can't. That's the problem, Mike. I have no explanation for that other than it was a complete breakdown again. You nailed it, Mike. Rack him, first of all. No, I can't explain that other than blown coverage, complete implosion, somebody not doing his job at the worst possible time. He mentioned Miles Garrett. What he's talking about is Garrett took offense to the Browns fans booing them after they choked away a 13-point lead in under two minutes against the Jets. I mean, the more disappointing thing was the booing at the end. It was a, you know, not the most optimal ending that we'd want. You know, we, of course, we'd want to win. Of course, we want to play out the game and, you know, it in 30-16 or 30-17, whatever it was. You know, we get a, uh, a pick or a strip sack and end the game, but that's not always how it goes. You know, these guys are still putting their asses on the line and playing as hard as they can, and they should be respected as such. We have a lot of time to correct what we're doing, so we don't want to see this crowd, this, uh, this stadium give up on us, you know, this early. Miles, my man. Did they also bring in Capri Sun and orange slices because y'all tried so hard? My guy, you're an amazing player. And that is an amazingly horrible take. I mean, you didn't really just say that, did you? You cannot take offense to the fans, much less those fans. Long-suffering fans. Booing you for blowing a 13-point lead with less than two minutes to go against the bleeping J-E-T-S. I mean, the more 
disappointing thing was listen to that thing. quote the more disappointing thing miles newsflash there is nothing more disappointing than what y'all did on the field what do you mean the more disappointing thing there's nothing more disappointing than you all choking away a 13-point lead with under two minutes to go at home against the jets to a 37 year old quarterback But that's the more disappointing thing. Dude, you are an amazing player, and that is an amazingly horrible take. Good luck taking that back. You're about the only guy I know who's got the game to make people forget a take that horrible, and it better show up every game they're out. That that is an all-time terrible take. I mean, the more disappointing thing was the booing at the end. The more disappointing thing was the booing at the end. No, actually, the more disappointing thing was the play on the field at the end. Miles, especially from the defense. That's why they booed you. And they had every right to boo you. That is the only thing worse than the play on the field was the take from their star off the field. I mean, the more disappointing thing was the booing at the end. Dude, I feel like I just got hit in the head by somebody swinging their helmet. My man, you did not, you do not live and work in that town and say that. You did not say that. One of the worst losses ever. And you're putting it on the fans because we're out there trying our asses off and putting our asses on the line. I got to say, I'd put that right up there with LeBron saying that the Lakers season was not a failure. Like that bad of a take. Oh, I can't wait to get to this. Let me talk to you for a minute about the Conair Turbo, Extreme, Steam, Steam, and Iron 2-in-1. Or as I like to refer to it as the Conair Turbo Extreme Steam. I love this product so much. It is the most powerful handheld steamer I have ever seen. What that means is you get fast and easy wrinkle removal. Look, I want to look sharp. I want to look buttoned up. I hate wrinkles. But I no longer have to worry about that because of the extra large sole plate, which can be used in vertical or horizontal action. It also works without steam is a dry iron. I'm talking serious technology. Advanced heat technology is ready almost instantly and it obliterates wrinkles with turbocharged dry steam. Four settings for delicate to turbo is perfect for all fabrics and it kills 99.9% of bacteria, and it sanitizes around the house, and it refreshes clothing. It is easy to use. It is great for at home or on the go. To get yours today, go to Amazon and search Conair Turbo Extreme Steam and look for the Steam and Iron 2-in-1. Justin Reed is my guest. Justin, good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be on with you guys. Like you said, we've got the two-for-one special going on right now with the safety and kicker. Uh, but really excited to be on air with you guys. My man, I appreciate you. It's really exciting. I'm really excited to have you on, and I can already tell I was going to ask you, since you signed with Kansas City, I know there's a lot of work still to be done, but it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like you're having a blast. Like, how much fun are you having as a Chief? Man, so much fun, bro. Like, Coach Andy Reid really allows our personalities to come out and for us to be ourselves. And, you know, when you're winning and everyone's doing things the right way and bought into the program, um, good things tend to happen, and when when you're winning, everything is sweet. So we've been having a ton of fun. Dude, I love that. I love that you said that about Andy Reid. Like from the outside looking in, and as a media <laughs> member, he has always been one of my favorite guys. Like I absolutely love the man. I mean, I love the man. What's it been like to play for him so far, specifically? Why do you like him so much? Yeah, he's like my he's in person, my Scottish cousin. You know, with the same last name. Um, but <laughs> there you Coach, go. Like Coach Reid just has that 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 it factor in the coaching world where, you know, your players really want to play hard for him. Um, He knows when to push, when to pull, when to let guys take off and have a breather. And um, I think one of the best things is just the preparation work. I mean, we do situational ball every day when we get in the pads and uh, that ends up paying off for us on Sundays because um, we get put in these unique situations. We've been there before and he truly makes practice harder than the games with the way that we run and condition. And I think that's, part of the reason we're able to pull off coming back um, through the adversity we faced 
um, Thursday night and to come back and get the win. Right. You've been there before. You knew what to do. Justin Reed is joining us. I would even argue that the Chiefs have been there before. They know what to do. Nobody blinks. And I feel like the Chargers are still learning to do that. Like, they're a really talented team. But the Chiefs are an organization that have done that. In terms of Andy Reid, like, I love, Justin, that you're embracing still your inner kicker. Like, he had you kick an extra point during the preseason, you know, just in case. But did you ever yeah. expect to be called upon to do it during a regular season game? No, not especially not, not in the first quarter of the regular season game. Um, you know, I thought maybe, you know, if we were in a situation where we were in garbage time of a game and, you know, we're winning by a bunch of points, they might let me go out and trot out there and, and do one just for the fun of it. Um, but we ended up actually putting that practice rep in the preseason to good use. Um, yeah, early into the season. I wasn't expecting it. Uh, but when our name was called for it, you know, I, I was ready for the opportunity. Dude, anybody who has seen the video knows that you were ready for the opportunity. There was a great exchange on the sideline. But for those who have not seen it, when you were told that Harrison Bucker went down and they needed you to kick, I mean, you played it off like it was nothing at all. But what went through your mind when they first said, hey, man, we need you to do this? Yeah, it was. I mean, just go out there and have fun. I mean, I I know I'm ready for the moment. I'm confident in it. And, you know, me going around and practicing with the specialists um, before practice and after practice ended up paying off. And at the end of the day, either um, it's going to be amazing that I was able to come out here and do that. And if I messed up, then, you know, this isn't really my main job anyway. So, I was just able to, like, there's a bit of freedom to that, so I was just able to go out there and have fun. I get that, dude. Like, I get that you were having fun, but you didn't seem like you were acting like there was any chance that you could mess that up. When they asked you, hey, are you good? Do you want to do this? You were like, bet. No, bet. yeah, seriously. Bet. Uh, I've been, I've been bet. saying for years, like, um, whenever I start putting in, you know, maybe my 10th, 11th year playing safety and I'm ready to hang those cleats up, <laughs> um, I would love to try and continue to play in NFL as a kicker. Um, maybe have another guy run down on kickoff, too. See, that's what I was going to say. It seems to me, and it's not up to you, but why would you not always kick off? I mean, most of your kicks are unreturnable, and if they are returned, you would be the best 11th tackler in the history of the game. Shouldn't you be kicking <laughs> off full-time? Hey, yeah, like you said, it's not up to me, but um, if that were to come up, um, maybe unique situations, maybe playoff games, uh, I would be excited to do that. Justin Reed's joining us. So let me ask you really quickly, when you guys fell behind the Chargers 10 to start the second half, I'm curious, what was the vibe like in the huddle and on the sideline? Did you sense any finger pointing or anybody getting on anybody else's backside? No, and I think that that was the best part of what went on was that we ended up coming closer as a unit. Then We didn't end up falling apart at the seams. There was no finger pointing. It wasn't about who was wrong or right. It was about getting it right. Um, and we came together and said, listen, everything that they've done and what we've done so far has been on us. Um, we just go out there, do our job. Don't just be on the field passively, um, but aggressively do our job. Go win your one-on-one matchup and go make the play. We're going to start turning this thing around. And everyone, um, like I said, we've been there before as an organization. Um, and when guys just came out in the second half, that was the attitude we came out and executed. Justin Reed's joining us. I mean, you sound like you've been there for years. You fit in perfectly. I want to ask you this, though. You're a vet, so guys look to you already. I want to ask you about another guy. Knowing his journey and that he was a seventh-round draft pick, what was it like for you to see Jalen Watson come up with that 99-yard pick six to completely turn that game around against the Chargers? Man, that was amazing. I was so excited to see, especially his journey. I think he was working at – um. I don't know if it was a, a Wendy's or some fast food chain, you know, not too long ago. And he came out and made the play of the game to come out and give us um, the lead we needed to go and close the game out. I mean, that was huge for us. Um, energized the entire sideline. Um, really special moment for him, and I couldn't be more proud of him. Hey, let me ask you about the offense really quickly because you made a point in the summertime. Hey, listen, we're going to be fine. Tyreek Hill is an amazing player, but the offense is going to be just fine without him. It's a couple of games in. How does that offense look to you right now without Hill? Yeah, I mean, the X factor is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the guy is just special. And um, you've seen it in the first two games. He's going to spread the ball around. I think he made a comment himself not too long ago. Um, that, you know, your fantasy owner, she's going to be spreading the ball. It's, it's just a who's open type of guy. And I think that there's some freedom in that, um, that you're just finding the open man instead of trying to force feed it to a guy or two. Um, that really allows you to spread out and open up um, the offense to attack opposing defenses. So I'm curious, when you were making your free agent rounds, did he call you up and recruit you as you were weighing your options? 
Yeah, he did. He actually called me while he was in Hawaii getting ready for his wedding. Uh, talk about a guy who loves ball and is just involved 24-7, doesn't matter what time of the year he is. While he was getting ready for his wedding, uh, he ended up giving me a call um, and gave me his pitch. And, you know, that was, a, that, was, that was part of the reason that I came. I like that. So I'm sure it's confidential, but can you share the pitch? Like, what did he say to you? Man, he just he said, we, we know what the Chiefs organization is all about. Um, familiar with me from the times we've split across from each other um, when I was back with Houston. Um, and, of course, the infamous comeback game in the playoffs. Um, and just talked about we compliment each other on each other's game and said they'd love to have me. That had to feel good. Justin Reed is joining us. So really quickly, you're coming off. You're coming out. I mean, you're playing well. The Colts are coming off a really tough start. You've got them next. You know, they're this so-called proverbial wounded animal. What are your early thoughts on that matchup? Yeah. Um, well, um, it's not, it's not, everyone's heard the saying before, the most dangerous animal is the wounded animal because they're going to come out there with nothing to lose. So um, I think that we can't allow this to become a trap game and feed off our excess and look at them as an opponent that, had went 0-2 and didn't put up any points last week, they're going to come out energized. They have an all-pro running back in Jonathan Taylor. Um, Matt Ryan is an experienced vet, uh, been around the league a long time, so this wouldn't be anything that's new to him. Uh, of course, you got Quentin Nelson and a very strong offensive line. Um, so we're going to expect them to come out, and this, this is a must-win rebound game for them. Um, I know them personally because playing them twice a year for the last couple of years, so the attitude is going to be to come out um, – compete, show the respect that they deserve, and go out and finish the game. Justin, really quickly, you've got a foundation which you're starting, the J. Reed Indeed Foundation. You've got a gala coming up. Quickly, give me the details. Where and when is this, and who does it benefit? Um, yeah, so this is going to happen October 8th at the Western Crown Plaza here in Kansas City. Um, it's going to raise money for underserved communities here locally, um, we're going to build tech zones. We're going to be equipping the next generation kids, teenagers, um, with technology to help them be successful in their and teach them life skills, help them be successful in their life. I think um, COVID exposed a lot of problems with kids having access to computers or internet, and that there was a need there that um, me and my foundation um, directors um, we really wanted to go and fill that need and really help the kids out here. So. We're going to be having a dinner there, a gala. We're going to have myself and my teammates, the celebrity waiters. Um, there's going to be gaming, old, new, maybe some competition on Madden um, to see what you know people who come got. And it's going to raise a lot of money to do a lot of good things here in the community. Let's go to Colorado. Joe, great to have you. Joe, how are you? I'm doing well, Mr. Jumpman in the box. Thank you. I truly appreciate you taking my call. You got it, bud. What's up? Um, so... Never in a million years did I think I would be able to call and have something to say, but this bum, Nathaniel Hackett, really has me feeling some kind of way. And I apologize. I know bum is not, bum smack is not allowed, but I, I cannot believe that we have this guy as our head coach. He is completely out of touch. I was at the game on Sunday, and us in the crowd were just completely just dismayed by what he had going on, the way he ran the, the clock. Um, we had a punt returner that didn't show up, which is unbelievable. Um, and I've bled orange and blue since the Dan Reeves days. And to have this, I mean, we've lived through Vic Fangio. We've lived through Joseph. And I was really pumped when we got Mr. Hackett. And he has just completely lost the fan base. Um, we're out there chanting, uh, get rid of him. We're out there counting down the clock trying to make sure that we get no more delay of game penalties. And it's just nonsense. What we need is Mike Evans to run out there and just plow this guy down. Maybe it'll knock a little sense into him and, and get us back on track. That's really what, what the Denver fan base is, is feeling right now. And I just wanted to call and give my, my two cents and give us an F on our report card for this week, even with a win. My man, I'll give you an A for your effort, though, Joe. Nice job. Rack him. It could not get any worse for Nebraska football after they got humiliated last week by Georgia Southern. Somehow it got worse. Much worse. Thoroughly embarrassing again. Whatever the hell lies below rock bottom, Nebraska smashed right through that granite and is still plunging in a total free fall. On the field, curb stomped by Oklahoma 
getting demolished 49 to 14. Yet that wasn't even close to the most embarrassing thing that I saw Saturday in Lincoln. No, that distinction would belong to a certain breed of Husker fan. Not all of you, but a certain breed of Husker fan who could not stop slobbering and drooling all over themselves because of the presence of one Pervin liar who was on site for the TV pregame show. And again, I'm not saying this about all of Husker Nation, just those of you who were drooling and slobbering all over yourselves. Those of you who were doing that, I thought you were better than that. That even if the program has become straight garbage, at least you still had a shred of dignity and self-esteem. You're the Nebraska freaking Cornhuskers. I know. Not of late. Well, not in years. Not on the field. But at your very core, right? At your core. At your fiber of who you are. You know, who you are internally. That's who you are. You're freaking Cornhuskers. Or at least the breed of you that I'm talking about used to be. Because what I saw and what I heard on Saturday, showering perv in a public display of affection, man, was just revolting. It was disgusting and so out of touch. It made me want to take a shower. And it all started before kickoff when Herb was treated by the cheering locals like some sort of bizarro combination of coaching rock star, conquering hero, and a football savior. Uniquely qualified to do the one thing that nobody else can do. Restore glory to this once proud program that has been careening in the wrong direction like a coffin on rollerblades. Husker fan. And again, I'm not talking about all of you. Far from it. Just those that were slobbering all over themselves. Like, I knew that those of you who were doing that were delusional. I just didn't know you were that deranged. I mean, checking out that sad spectacle in Lincoln was like watching, it wasn't like watching a pregame show. It was like watching some weird cult of personality with hundreds of myopic fans blindly chanting their loyalty to a washed former coach who was run out of his last job in total disgrace. But just as Perv himself is thoroughly incapable of embarrassment and humility or ownership of any kind, all of this creepy and reprehensible things that he did in Jacksonville. All those things, Husker fans proved that they were right on par with that. By chanting for him in the pregame, chanting, we want Urban. (laughs) I'm not surprised by seeing that, but I still can't believe I saw that. I feel like I'm dad, man. I'm so disappointed. I'm surprised you didn't break out cheers of Buddy needs a night out. Buddy. Buddy needs a night out. Buddy. Pervs kick kickers. Pervs kick kickers. I guess what I'm trying to say is Husker fan. And again, not all of you. Far from all of you. But those of you engaging in that. What I'm trying to say is I think a hell of a lot more of you than you think of yourself. I respect you a hell of a lot more than you respect yourself. Because that was hard to watch. That was embarrassing. Almost as embarrassing as Perv predicting that Nebraska would win in the pregame picks. Just to suck up to these sycophants even more. Sycophants. Only to see them get absolutely hammered. Come on, Perv. Did you really think they were going to win that game? What, because you were there? Because you showed up and were in the same area code? They got hammered. As everybody knew they would. If this dude is actually a candidate there, and I'm not sure, there are conflicting reports. There are reports that Trev Alberts has reached out. There are reports that he has not. I don't know. I don't know. But if this dude really is a candidate a legitimate candidate, you better don't. You better don't. Nebraska should ramp up their coaching search and target some legitimate candidates like Matt Campbell 
or Luke Fickle who do not have Myers' pickup truck for baggage. But I shouldn't be surprised that that portion of Big Red Nation is chugging on that herb Kool-Aid and getting blasted. Damn near we're buying that bootleg booze with a fake coaching ID, the school, where they welcome him open arms. The whole thing is just sloppy and sad. I would say it's time for an intervention, but it's way too late for that. For those who are already engaged, it's way too late. They're gone. They're so far gone, they're not coming back. Nebraska fan, I understand it's a tough time. I understand this is rock bottom. I understand Georgia Southern came in, took your money, and then did you. I understand Oklahoma just hammered you. I understand you're a laughing stock right now. But this is not helping. Go through your football stages of grief. That's not helping. But to jump right on stage and bargain with a creepy dude who grinds on co-eds half his age and berates and belittles his coaching staff, wondering how many games they've ever won, and kicking their kicker when he's down, literally stretching. This really is rock bottom. You think it was rock bottom with what happened when Georgia Southern came in and then when Oklahoma came in, but rock bottom was seeing the way that you were pandering to perv. Let me help talk you off the ledge. Just let me help you. Step one is losing those pathetic higher Urban Meyer t-shirts that you were rocking on Saturday. I mean, if that pregame scene was not grisly enough, things got even more brutal when the game started. Of course, Oklahoma led 35-7 to at halftime, and it wasn't even that close. Man, that was so sickening. I don't know what he was suffering from, but even Gus Johnson checked out at halftime of that game. He was under the weather. So to make matters even worse, they had a deal. I had to deal with Perv again when they dragged him up to the booth to say nothing at all. And then they fired the D coordinator. Good luck with all that. I'm just here to tell you, I know one of these ensuing weeks, if you bring this guy in, it's not going to take long for Buddy to need a night out once again. And when Buddy needs that night out once again... He's going to unleash himself on your campus. Or even worse, he'll go back to Columbus for a team that's obviously going to blow his brains out when they meet up. Don't say you haven't been warned. If you're even interested in a morally bankrupt fake leader of men, you've become morally bankrupt yourselves in the process. There are other better coaches Without the baggage. You don't need this. You don't want this. You will be worse for this. It's bad enough that you would pull in that scene and then showed it to the entire country, no less. And I know it's not all of you. And believe me, I'm grateful that it's not all of you. You're better than that. Even if you don't know it. Even if you're so beaten down and your self-esteem is wrecked. I'm telling you. You know what you need? You need someone to wrap up on you and tell you, yo, Nebraska, I do love you, and you are better than this. You can do a hell of a lot better than that. You can. You are better than that, and you can do a hell of a lot better than that. You better don't. You better don't. That was not a good scene, and that was not a good look. 1-800-636-8686. If I'm quoting Mike and Indy, you should know, you better don't. Good night, 